All right, everyone. Hopefully you've picked up a growth guide. If you haven't already, there were some lying around. So make sure that you get a growth guide so that you can follow along. Now, for a long time, I've really enjoyed watching football on um, on TV, and uh, but there was one sport that I did not get, how people would want to actually sit and spend hours watching this sport. Anybody got any guesses? Exactly. <laughs> it's golf. It's golf. I could not understand. And I had a friend who loved to play golf and loved to watch golf. And I just could never get into it. And then I started playing golf. Okay. And after I got, and I have this bad habit of choosing sports that require a lot of money and a lot of time. And that's not good for a pastor, but I, when we were in South Florida, they, they play golf year round, of course, and the season is actually in winter. And so as a, as a resident, we would take the winters off when the prices were up and all the snowbirds were down. But beginning May 1st, the prices would go down, the snowboards, snowbirds would head north, and we would play every week in the hot Florida sun. If you got a 7 a.m. tea time, it didn't matter. You were still sweating before you got to the first green. But um, after I started playing, then I kind of got watching golf on TV because you get a sense of how incredibly difficult the game is and how incredibly good those players that you see on TV are. And I think that you can make and draw a parallel between my experience there and my experience with prayer. Now, hear me out. So, you know, I'm a pastor. I, uh, I prayed the prayer to accept Jesus as a four-year-old with my grandmother on the couch in our little apartment in Key West, Florida. And so I've been at this Christianity thing, faith thing for a long time. And even I, of course, from time to time, I just don't get prayer because it seems like if God knows everything, then why should we have to ask him for stuff that he already knows that we need and that he already knows that we want or he, he knows our heart's desire. And I remember, a very, I remember very vividly sitting in, uh, in a, a bedroom at my uncle's house when I was visiting some family. And at that time, this has actually changed now, but at that time, that family was not a church going, not a faith following, not a praying family. And I remember thinking, you know, they don't pray before they take a trip and they still get where they're going. They don't pray before they take their meals, but they still eat and are well fed. Um, and sometimes when I do pray for something, it doesn't seem to happen. I just, you know, so I'm not sure that I get prayer. But, you know, because I'm a pastor and because I'm a follower of Jesus, I know I'm supposed to get prayer and I know I'm supposed to get praying. And so in this series, when we've been talking about, uh, about um, praxis, these are practices of the faith, uh, we've been focusing on the life journaling process and SOAP, scripture, observation, application, prayer. Prayer is a part of my daily experience in writing those out. But, but sometimes I just still don't get prayer. 
So uh, sometime within the last couple of years, I decided that I wanted to focus more on it. And I'm not where I want to be, obviously, yet, but I have had some different kinds of experiences over the past couple of years. I started using an app that keeps track of prayers and brings up people to pray for on a regular basis. And I still don't use it every day, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to get that into the, the, what we're calling the rhythms of grace, the, uh, my daily life in Christ. And what I have noticed is that even when I don't necessarily see an immediate answer to my prayer, even when my mind wanders and drifts and I'm not exactly sure you know, if it's doing any good, even when I'm praying for the same thing that I've been praying for for years and not seeing a result, there was something that was happening when I made prayer a practice. And even though, you know, all the traditional reasons why you pray to see results and... Uh, I wasn't necessarily experiencing that, but I was experiencing something that I think might have been more the point and more where the Lord was trying to lead me. And that is a greater and greater experience, knowledge of, intimacy with my heavenly Father. You know, it's interesting, we, um, we talk about, we, we call it prayer, um, but it's, and that has the idea of making requests. I pray to God, I ask God for something. But it's really so much more than that. It's like, we don't call conversations with other people asking. I mean, sometimes I'll ask you for something, but, but we don't call conversation asking. But that's really what prayer is. It's a conversation. It's a way of communing, communicating with your heavenly father. And just like if you were getting to know somebody as a friend or if you were dating someone or uh, the importance of regular date nights, you'll see hear people talk about even when they've been married for a long time. Why? Because it's carving out a space for communing, for communication for you being able to share your heart with somebody and they're being able to tell you their heart. And I think that's kind of what happens. So since we're talking about practices, what we're saying in part today, and I'm going to give you some very practical steps to, to follow, is that maybe the most important thing is not doing it right not the amount of time that you spend, not saying the right words, but simply to get praying, to have the experience and see what happens. So uh, again, welcome. For those of you that are just tuning in for the message or listening to the podcast later, welcome. I'm Pastor Brian Foreman. We want everybody to check in, use the Church Center app or text the word here to our church number 
2550. What happens when you do that? Then we just basically welcome you and offer to stay in touch with you from this point on to know what's going on at Cornerstone and to encourage you along in your walk. I mentioned that we are in a series called Praxis, and that comes from the Greek word, and it means a course of action. This is our habit of life. These aren't the Ten Commandments. These aren't the fruit of the Spirit, but these are things, these are habits, these are practices that we do as followers of Jesus that are just part of the, what I'm calling the rhythms of grace. Actually, that's not even original with me, but it's the rhythms of grace. It's the warp and woof of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We've put it under this big rubric of the pattern that we're following, that we get from Jesus. What we see Jesus doing is pulling aside on a regular basis to pray. We see him teaching, apprenticing his followers, and we see him healing and changing people's lives, making a difference. That's the pattern that we have as followers of Jesus that we are seeking to duplicate. And we've summarized that healing and apprentice teaching and, and um, I'm sorry, praying, he, uh, apprentice and teaching and healing as knowing God, growing together, and going and making a difference. So under that first idea of knowing God, what we've said is that, help me out back there if you can, uh, knowing God is someone who's following Jesus will be a person communing with God regularly. So under knowing God, we have next steps, and that's what you'll see on the, pro, on the bulletin, on the growth guide, on the steps that you uh, see on the check-in card. The, they're a step associated with this, because we always want you to be making progress. The first step in knowing God is the personal step. It's saying yes. Uh, that begins when you say yes to Jesus for the first time, yes to his forgiveness, that what he did on the cross, you want to count for you personally, Yes to his lordship, that he's the boss, that he gets to call the shots going forward. So we start that way. We celebrate and commemorate that with baptism. But that's also the way that we continue our walk with the Lord. It's a daily saying yes to Jesus. Whatever you have in mind for me, I'm in. And the core practice, because that's what we're focusing on, is life journaling. And you can go back into the archives at Cornerstone NH dot org on demand and you can find the message on life journaling which is reading and responding to God's word daily and the other practices that we've been talking about have been kind of coming at that from these different angles as I already mentioned prayer is a part of that that's the P the last step in that life journaling soap process uh, so we write our prayers out every day every time we do this but we're going to focus on it and come at it a little bit more intensely today as mentioned, we see this pattern in Jesus' life. In the introduction to the Gospel of Mark, it describes Jesus' practice like this. Before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up, went out to an isolated place to pray. So if Jesus, who we believe is fully God and fully man, needed to spend time on the regular, getting away, isolating himself so that he could focus in on his relationship with his heavenly father, then probably we need to do that too. 
So the question becomes, what can we do to get more people praying more often? And as I said, you're probably, there's probably a couple of objections to that. It's like, number one, I don't know what to do. I don't, I'm not very good at it. It's not uncommon for me to encounter people. I'll ask them to pray. No, I don't want to pray in front of other people. I think part of that is you, you, you don't know what to do. You, you don't want to look stupid. Nobody wants to do something that they're not good at, especially do something they're not good at in front of other people. So we have to address that. And then there's the idea of, is it actually going to do any good? I mean, I prayed and nothing happened. I prayed for something, I got something else. And that leads to that third objection. It's like, I'm not sure that I want God's answer for this situation. I know what I want in this situation, but if I pray about it, if I surrender it to God, he might give me something different. And I know much better what I, what I need at this time and place. I know much better what should happen right now. And if God would just listen to me, I'm joking, of course. If God would just listen to me, then everything would be fine. But sometimes I pray and he doesn't listen to me. He gives me something different and we don't pray because of that. So in this passage that we're going to look at today, Jesus addresses each of these concerns. And I think as a result, you will, at the end of today, get praying a little bit differently than you have before. And it just might prompt you to get praying. So today, obviously, we're talking about prayer. If you're taking notes in the growth guide, go ahead and write down the bottom line. It's to use triggers to prompt your prayers. And we'll explain what that means. These are the different triggers that we'll talk about. And don't bother writing these down. We'll come back around to them. Number one, to get a prompt. Number two, to get a place. And number three, to get a pattern. And then you're going to use one of these triggers to prompt you to prayer in the coming week. So let's look at it. This is the Gospel of Luke, it's chapter 11 and verses 1 through 13. It's titled in my Bible, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, Teaching About Prayer. Here's what it says. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John, it's talking about John the Baptist, taught his disciples Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't, lead us, don't let us yield to temptation. Then, verse 5, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, Jesus says, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking 
and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, which your Holy Spirit inspired, as we come together as a body, as a congregation, with those who have said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit indwelling in them, and your Holy Spirit, it is promised, would teach us, remind us of the things that Jesus said, give us insight and understanding. Lord, that's what we pray for today that each one of us will hear exactly what we need to hear from today's message, and then we'll know exactly what to do with what we have heard today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today, we want to get you praying. So what I want to do is use triggers to prompt your prayers. And here's what I mean by that. There are certain things that trigger or prompt your routine during the day. You know, many of you, for the first thing you do when you wake up is you reach over and you grab your phone. There's a certain routine that you have in the morning. It probably includes a shower and getting dressed and breakfast or coffee. There, there, the, there's one thing that kind of leads to the next in your schedule and in your routine. One of the ways that you can hack that schedule to include, to prompt spiritual disciplines is to tie something that you do regularly and maybe perhaps even unthinkingly to something that you want to do, that you plan to do, that you would like to do, that you would like to make a habit. If you have seen the little life journaling brochure bookmark that we have, there are probably some on the back table right there. In the tips, I talk about using triggers. So in the past, one of my triggers was I'm going to do my life journaling before I turn on my computer. What was that? What was I doing? I was just saying, I was tying something I'm going to do. I'm going to turn on the computer at some point during the day. And I'm tying that to something that I want to do, a habit that I want to develop. That's what we're talking about with triggers. So the first trigger that we're going to be talking about is getting a prompt. And here we're talking about your schedule. Or we're talking about a particular time. In Mark chapter 1, we saw before daybreak, Jesus gets up, goes out to an isolated place to, prayer, to pray. What we see in Jesus is basically when he woke up, it wasn't when the sun came up, because this is before the sun comes up, but uh, when, when he woke up, that was his prompt to prayer. Some of us already have this well established in our households. When you sit down to eat, you say a prayer before you eat. For some of you, it might be something else. There's some kind of trigger. There are all kinds of triggers in your life. I saw this, and it kind of ties into this idea. It was a graphic for churches to use. It says, first Jesus, then coffee. First Jesus, then coffee. In other words, before you have your coffee, make sure you spend time with Jesus. Now, I know some of you, and I like Jesus, 
And so I would say, go ahead and have your coffee. Because, and maybe, maybe that, just make it easier on Jesus, make it easier on yourself. And this kind of sounds like a punishment to me, right? It's like, do your Jesus and then you can have your coffee. No, 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 that's not, that's not the approach we want to have. It, 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 it's like, this is, this is a reward. You get the reward of your coffee and the reward of spending time with Jesus. But, but I like the idea because what's it doing? It's saying, I know I'm going to have coffee in the morning, so let me tie that time with Jesus with that coffee. Now, another thing that kind of distracts us is social media. And this was a really good point. Um, there's a, a book uh, called, what's it called? Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. It's all about um, prayer. And the, it's also tied to something called Practicing the Way, which is a a series of teaching and resources that will help you to establish spiritual disciplines. And in their, their section on prayer, they were talking about, don't try to add this. Don't try to add this. All of us are probably way too busy. We don't, we don't have just hours of time where we're just sitting around saying, I wonder what I could do. You know, we're busy. We're, we're going from one thing to the next. So don't think of prayer as something to add Think of it as something to replace something that you don't really need. So what I did is I'm trying to hack social media for prayer. So we have created a group called Cornerstone Prayer Prompts on Facebook. And if you go to facebook.com slash groups slash prayer prompts, it will take you there. If you go to our app, there is on the homepage, you might have noticed if you checked in this morning, a little button that says prayer prompts it will take you to that group. And what's in there? Prompts to prayer. Something to pray about. So that maybe when you're scrolling, you're like, oh, I can take 30 seconds and I can pray about that. Or maybe you pick up your phone first thing in the morning and rather than going to Twitter or to your email, you click on the Church Center app and on that prayer prompts and the first thing you do is just spend a couple of minutes in prayer. Maybe that will help some of you. It's a group so you can join it and add to it as well when you find a good prayer or prompt to pray. So I would encourage you to do that. But what are we saying? We're saying look at your schedule and find a place where you can replace something that's not important or not benefiting you or that you don't really need to do and do it with something that's going to benefit you both now and forever. And then in the practice of doing that, you just might experience something that you haven't before. So in these triggers, we're talking about getting a prompt, finding a time prompt, but also a particular place. Uh, I know that my dad did a lot of traveling for his work, and he would often say, when I get in the car, that's my time to pray. It was isolated. There were fewer distractions. And so it was a time to pray. I know that when Sue Ellen and I first got together, and even now, we love to go on trips together. Why? Because it was, number one, the only socially acceptable time where you could strap your kids in a seat. And you, you wouldn't get into trouble for that. So that was helpful in this regard as well. But, but it was also the, about the only time where there weren't any other distractions. You're just sitting next to each other for hours on end. It was margin. It was space created for a relationship. And so 
we see this with Jesus. What he would do, people were constantly clamoring for him. So Luke 5.16, for example, as often as possible, Jesus withdrew to an out-of-the-way place, out-of-the-way places for prayer. He would find places away from others where he could focus on prayer. Get a place. I know one of the most encouraging things to me as a husband and as a friend and as someone who loves Sue Ellen is when I get up in the morning, if it's early enough, I see her sitting on a particular spot in the couch, on the couch in our living room because that's, that's where she goes first thing in the morning. That's her space, her place where, and her time where she spends time with the Lord. When the weather is nice, one of my favorite places is I'll go right outside our back door on the deck. There's a, there's a chair and a little side table. Uh, this time of the year, the weather is almost always beautiful. I love being outside. It's, it's focused. It's away. It's not some place that I usually go and spend a lot of time, but that becomes a holy place. Think about Moses. Moses is in at work, basically. He's out shepherding his flock. And he comes across this burning bush and God is in that bush, right in the middle of his workplace, basically. And the Lord says to him, take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. What was, what was, what was holy? What was extraordinary about that place? It was, could have been a place that he had been many times before. He had probably uh, driven his sheep past that bush maybe many times before. But what made it holy, what turned that ordinary place into a holy place was the presence of God. And what you do when you encounter, when you set aside, when you use a place as a trigger to encountering God is you turn that ordinary space and place in your life into a holy place. So find some place. Maybe it's when you get in the car to drive to work. Maybe it's a particular seat or place in your house, but use that trigger as a part of your normal life to prompt you to prayer. So we're gonna find a prompt, a particular place in our schedule, a particular place in our life. And then lastly, a pattern. Find a pattern that is going to work for you. Back in Luke chapter 11 that we read earlier, it starts out like this. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, this was his habit, the disciples had seen him doing this over and over again. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now this is interesting because these were, these were Jewish men who had grown up in their culture. They, they had been taught prayers. They had memorized prayers, most likely. The prayer was a daily part of their life. So why did they need Jesus to teach them to pray? Perhaps part of it was they're like, yeah, I pray, but I don't pray like that. You know, I, I, I'm somewhat motivated to pray, but I, I'm not praying like Jesus prays. There was something perhaps in what they saw that motivated them to want to know what is it about what you know about prayer or what you experience in prayer that makes you pray the way you do. I want that for me. And so he gives them a pattern. Now you might have noticed that when I read it, it sounded a little bit familiar, but maybe not quite exactly what you're used to. That's because this prayer, a version of it shows up here in Luke 11, but also in the Sermon on the Mount 
in Matthew chapter 6. And the one in Matthew chapter 6 is a little bit more expanded and a lot more familiar. One of the commentators suggested that what this tells us, that we see these different ones, and I know from being a speaker, you know, if you've been here for any period of time, you will probably hear me repeat certain things that I want you to get. I might not say them exactly the same way, but you'll hear some of those same things over and over again. And I feel like Jesus probably did the same thing. What that probably tells us is he was not trying to teach you something that you would memorize by rote and, and spout by rote. He was giving you, although there's that, that's okay, there's a place for that. But he was giving you kind of categories and ways of thinking about it and the, the kinds of things that you should be talking about with your heavenly father, the way that you should approach your heavenly father. He gave them a pattern. So if you don't know how to pray, then using a pattern can be super helpful to just kind of get you started. It's like, I don't know what to say. Well, start with the Lord's Prayer. Uh, some of you might have grown up in a Catholic tradition and calling it the Our Father. You, you, you memorized it early on. It's okay to start with something, but just get started and then go from there. So he gives them a pattern. It's like a little bit of a, a jump start, uh, a little catalyst for prayer. So use that. Use the prayer prompts group as a catalyst for prayer. Use when you're going through the life journaling process and you get to the P and you've written out a prayer, rather than just closing the book and going on with your day, just read that out loud. And may I suggest praying out loud when you can. You know, especially if uh, it's good to be on your own. You don't have to worry about what other people hear, or what other people think, but, but that helps to focus you. It keeps, it, it, it focuses you in a way your, your mind doesn't drift. You're probably less likely to fall asleep if you're talking. There, there are things that you can do that will help it, but, but get prompted. Find a prompt. Use the Lord's Prayer. Use something that you find on that group. Use something, use your life journaling prayer to get you started and just start talking. That's half the battle. So he overcomes this idea, I don't know what to do. I don't, know, I don't know if I'll be any good at it. Well, if you can pray like Jesus prayed and like he told you to pray, you get an A plus, all right? You're, you're good at it if you just do, follow the pattern that he laid out. Then he deals with a second objection is like, I don't know if it's gonna do any good. And he uses the story of someone going to his neighbor's house to get bread for a guest and it's the middle of the night and the guy doesn't want to get out of bed and do anything for him. But the, but the other neighbor is just persistent. He won't let it go. And so for that reason, not because he's his neighbor, not because he's his friend, not because he likes him, but simply because he won't let him be, he'll do what he asks. This is what Jesus says in Luke eleven eight. 8. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. So really briefly, this is an example of a contrast. Is God reluctant to answer your prayers? Is he only answering your prayers because you're bothering him so much? No, it's using the contrast. It's saying, here's this guy. He doesn't care. He wants to sleep. He doesn't want to get up. He doesn't want to be bothered. But even he eventually will answer the prayers of his neighbor just because he kept at it. How much more is the idea? 
does your heavenly father who loves you and knows you and wants the best for you, is he going to... Is, is he going to answer your prayer sometimes? Sometimes you just need to expand the timeline, right? Sometimes we pray something, and then the next day nothing happens. Well, God, I guess God's not going to answer that prayer. God has a very long time frame. And in Luke 18, look it up later, Jesus tells another parable, and at the end he says, um, he uses a similar thing. This time it's an unjust judge, not an unwilling, sleepy neighbor. But in the end, he says, even this guy, this judge who doesn't care about people and doesn't fear God will give this person justice. But when the son of man, Jesus talking about himself, when he returns, will he find faith on the earth? And the bottom line for that is it's much more likely that we'll give up than that God won't come through. It's much more like you got to expand that timeline. Jesus' timeline is a long timeline Keep at it. Because what does it say? Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Then lastly, very briefly, he, he handles this issue of Maybe, maybe God's going to give me something I don't want. I'm afraid to surrender to him. I'm afraid to ask him to be in control of my life because what if he gives me something that I don't like or I don't want? And he uses requesting bread, requesting an egg, getting a scorpion or a snake. And in the end, he says, so if you, again, he's drawing a contrast between sinful people and a perfect, loving, heavenly father. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit, to those who ask him. Now, in the Matthew parallel to this, it says good things. Holy Spirit, it says here. Who's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, we've said, is the personal presence and power of God. It's like, if you ask for good things, God is going to pour his presence and power into your life. So ask away. I mean, how could you do any better than that. So today we're talking about prayer. My humble suggestion is figure out, use some triggers to prompt your prayers. Hack your schedule to prompt your prayers. Pick a particular geographical place or spot to prompt your prayers and get them started using a pattern. So the challenge, because if you just hear this and then go on with your life, your, your, your prayer life, your life is not going to change. So do something with it. What's a trigger that you could use for prayer this week? Sign up for the group. Pick a particular place. Set a time or a thing in your schedule that's going to prompt you to pray. And don't worry about doing it right. Don't worry about spending a lot of time. Just get praying and see what God will do. Let that be your next step. And then let's see what God will do, how we'll get to know him, how our lives will change in ways that we can't even imagine if we will just get praying. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, uh, I know from experience that as I get to know you better, I love you more. 
I understand more, my life is better, I have greater wisdom, and the things that I was afraid of, you were going to lead me in places that I didn't want to go or do things that, that all our fears so often are so completely worthless and unfounded. So Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to just turn over, say yes, surrender to you, and that we will draw close to you, that even if we have doubts, even if we don't feel anything, even if we don't see immediate results, prompt us to get praying. Draw us in to a commune, communing relationship with you. And Lord, I pray that you will reward those baby steps, those first steps that we take with your presence, with your power in the person of the Holy Spirit and we will experience changed lives as a result. Thank you. Make us a praying people, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great week. Feel free to use the Live It Out questions to gather up and talk about it and unpack it for the day. And we will see you next week where we'll talk more about the pattern for prayer.